For more resources, visit rymonline.org. The Local Youth Worker is a daily podcast that's centered on five questions each week. Ranging from the practical to the professional, we're looking for answers to the questions you're asking. Whether you're in full-time, part-time, or even volunteer youth ministry, this podcast is for you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We're talking to Dr. John Kwasney all this week, uh, talking about counseling uh, teenagers. Uh, yesterday, we uh, John shared three things uh, that he encouraged youth workers to do when counseling teenagers. Uh, John, today, kind of going to the other end of the spectrum, uh, the question is, what are three things you would encourage youth workers to avoid when counseling students? What do you have for us? Well, this is a lot more fun question, isn't it? Things you're not supposed to do in counseling. This could be a very long list, so trying to kind of get the top three here. The first one that makes my list uh, is you need to avoid this uh, counseling method that we just call the just stop it form of counseling. Now I've taken years ago, there was this uh, video, it's still around if you uh, go to YouTube and, and Google Bob Newhart, just stop it, uh, a video of him, a little skit he did for years ago. And, and essentially what we learned from that is some of the worst kind of counseling that we can do is just <laughs> telling people to stop behaving badly, right? Whatever you're doing in this, in this skit, the woman, uh, was afraid. She was afraid she was going to be buried alive in, in a box. Just stop it. Stop worrying about that. Stop thinking about it kind of thing. And we do that with, with youth, and unfortunately we do it uh, as believers and in the church all the time, where we hear a problem. Uh, we hear a, a, a young person drinking. We're like, you just got to stop. You got to stop drinking. That's wrong. That's sinful. You're underage. It's illegal. Uh, or again, even to the more emotional things, you know, if they get angry all the time, just stop getting angry or you're depressed, stop getting depressed. Everything is just stop it. It's so focused on behavior change. Uh, and it's just mere bare behavior change that it's not a, a, a biblical view of real change, of real heart change. And so if you find yourself just having the impulse that every other word out of your mouth is telling a, a young person, just stop it, just, just don't do that anymore, uh, I understand why we do it. Because when we're hearing people doing wrong things, uh, thinking wrong ways, we just, again, want them to stop. And we have this view, if they would just stop doing those things, life would be better. Well, for one thing, it's just not that simple just to stop. Uh, but again, it, it, it shortcuts the process of really dealing with the problem and really solving the problem with this just just don't do it anymore kind of attitude. Yeah, and I mean, really, it's it's not a proper, or I guess we should say, biblical view or biblical understanding of sin um, and how just vast it is and how it manifests itself in different ways. And so that, that's a good one to be reminded of because it could be that a student comes in struggling in a way that you don't struggle, and that's by God's grace alone that you don't struggle in that way, but trying to enter into whatever it is that they're struggling with and, and have compassion um, and love for them in the midst of that. So that's a very good reminder. Well, the second one goes along with it. Uh, it's the reverse. Uh, just start something. Uh, the The idea here is we hear someone's problem, and and our mind quickly goes to, well, you just need to pray more, 
Uh, you just need to do better at daily devotions. You know, do you have a quiet time? You got to have a quiet time. Uh, and hey, I haven't seen you in, in church lately. Have you been coming to youth group? You need to come to youth group more. Uh, you need to you need to come to church more. You need to do all these spiritual things more. And and of course, the, that's probably part of the the solution, part of the answer. There's probably deficits uh, in their spiritual life that starting good things will help, just like starting stopping bad things will help. But again, when we communicate that very quickly in counseling, we we uh, send the message that dealing with these problems is just this very simple, you know, two-step method sort of thing. You know, okay, don't do those bad things and just do do those good things. And uh, again, Christians, we, we tend to think, anyway, if I would just pray more and read the Bible more, everything would be better. The reality is you're going to have youth coming in, maybe giving up on their prayer life or in study of God word, God's Word or worship because they're looking at those things as the magic cures and they're not cured uh, or their problem doesn't go away or they're still struggling. And so you telling them, just do more of that. Uh, really kind of heaps guilt and burden more than it uh, seeks real heart change. And so uh, as much as you need in places to talk about their prayer life and to talk about uh, their relationship to the church and to other believers, uh, not in just in this bare, just start something, just start something good and you'll be okay. Mm. Yeah, that again is a very good point. And like you said, you could be you know, heaping, heaping guilt on the student, actually making the student, you know, worse than, than when they came in by just uh, guilt tripping them in that. Um, is there any advice you'd give on kind of a point when, okay, maybe it is time to kind of push them and challenge them and get them to, you know, to do something? Any, any advice there? Sure. I think uh, the first step is doing a lot of listening to what they are doing. You want to hear from them, uh, you know, and so it's, it's better to have uh, a, stance of asking questions. You know, what is your prayer life like? Can you talk to me about it? What is uh, what is your quiet time life? You can ask those questions and must ask those questions at time. And letting the student do some, you know, self-analysis, if you will, some self-confrontation. Yeah. And, and they'll come to some grips of, I, I know I'm not where I need to be. Um, but again, I with my own teenagers, uh, you know, when they're in the midst of a real difficult problem, they'll come to me with tears with this thing, you know, I've been praying about it, Dad, and just just not going away. And again, there's this this magical view of the spiritual disciplines versus the spiritual disciplines are there because they flow out of a love for Christ, a love to be close to Christ, a love to commune with Christ and uh, and dig deep into his word and to enjoy the grace of God in your life. It's not there, I do it when I'm in a, in a in a bind and really having to struggle with something. Yeah, the magic pill you can just swallow. Exactly right. And so while you need to confront about those things, um, let the student talk through where they are with that. Yeah, that's that's very good. Let's have a quick side note here because you, you said the you referenced self-confrontation and that's something I've heard you say before and it's very helpful and that's something I've found to be you know, helpful as I'm counseling students. But can you kind of describe what self-confrontation is and maybe give us an example? Sure. I, I, when I when I talk about in my classes about the overall process of counseling, um, it starts with listening. It kind of moves around this process wheel to more of evaluating the situation. But the third part of that process is confrontation. Confrontation isn't what we think about it when we confront someone you know who we're mad at or has a problem with us and we're going to really tell them off. Confrontation has to do with a, a clash of ideas. Uh, 
of truth versus error sort of thing. And so while we might have to confront a person compassionately with the gospel, with the word of God, what we really want to see is that they see the word of God for themselves and they say, ah, it's one of those aha moments. It's like, ah, oh, I've been thinking about that all wrong. Or, oh, I thought scripture said this. And like, well, look closely. What does this story of scripture, or what does this lesson of scripture tell us? And, and so you want them to, to not need you <laughs> to be the one pointing out uh, their sin. You want them to, to be able to see their own sin. So it really, I think, is that, that first step uh, of self-confrontation, uh, that first step of self-discipline. Uh, it's, it's, in a sense, not needing someone else to do that. But by the work of the Spirit in me, I'm seeing uh, with new eyes. I'm seeing my sin. I'm seeing the world around me. I'm, I'm hearing what people have been saying and haven't been paying attention. That's the kind of self-confrontation we need. Yeah, that's that's helpful. Thanks for uh, explaining that a little bit more. And so, what, what was your third one to avoid? Uh, my third one is uh, you've heard about it a, a little bit in here, but uh, to make it very clear, it's to avoid leaving out the gospel. Now, any Christian counselor would say, "Well, of course, I want the gospel to be in my counseling." But the reality is it's very tempting to get so preoccupied with solving the problem, whatever the problem is. Again, a person comes in, a student, they're depressed. We'll say, hey, I don't want them to be depressed anymore. Let's, let's get you from depression to joy, right? So we're so focused on solving that problem that we leave out the gospel. We don't realize that God is probably you most likely using that problem to draw that student to himself to understand their sin and their weakness and their suffering more, to see how big God is in their life, to see their need for a Savior, uh, to see the hope there is in the gospel. Uh, So as much as we Christian counselors want to be Christ-centered, sometimes we leave Jesus out. Mm -hmm. It it all becomes behavior change or emotional change or mental change, uh, change of our intellect, and all those things are good. But without the gospel you might have some well-ordered person that that goes out and, hey, I don't struggle with depression anymore. Hey, I'm not anxious like I used to be. Hey, I, I'm not drinking as much as I used to be. But the better question is, have you glorified God in this process? Is he sanctifying you? Are you, are you growing closer to Christ? Are you growing closer to God's people in a relationship with Christ? These are gospel-centered sort of questions that, it, that counseling can leave out or put it nicer, it can just assume. It assumes that all that will happen if we if we solve the problem. But sometimes solving the problem communicates, I really don't need the gospel. I don't really need Jesus. I just need to fix the problem mm-hmm. in whatever means possible. Yeah. And, and that leaves the gospel out. Yeah, and you, and, and you end up just making Pharisees out of people for sure. And it's just behavior modification. Um, you, so, mi- yeah. you miss the heart. We talk about a lot in biblical counseling. You're aiming for the heart all the time. You want to see change of behavior, sh- certainly change of our minds, renewing of our minds. Yes. But you want to see heart change. Absolutely. And you're also in that moment uh, teaching these students, if we're you know dealing with teenagers or whomever, um, how the gospel applies to all of life. Uh, so many just think, okay, it's this, one thing that you did to join a church or mm-hmm. to get right with God, um, but how the gospel has an infinite implications. So that's very helpful. Thanks, John. You're welcome.